Welcome to NG Church Network Podcast. We are capturing stories of strength, encouragement and comfort as we pursue spirit-led lives. So David, it's Easter week. Uh, spring is in the air. Daffodils are out as I'm driving here. The sun's out, six degrees. And I couldn't help but want to ask you, knowing that we're recording this on Easter week, just give me your reflections this Easter uh, no doubt you've been thinking, studying a little bit, reading a bit, but what, what's Easter meaning to you this year? I have two or three reflections, John, and nice to talk to you. Uh, somebody said to me only the other day in a phone call, um, some churches are giving daffodils out on Mother's Day, and then they don't, don't do anything on Palm Sunday and very little over Easter. And you go, I think we might have just got the emphasis wrong. And uh, I, I would agree with that, as, as you would know me from years past. I've said for a long time about the great Christian festivals, that if the Christian community don't use them well, eventually in a secular society, they'll take them from us. Uh, my, my deeper spiritual reflections are two. One, that Jesus tried to prepare the disciples for the amazement of this week numerous times, and they... They didn't get it. I mean, and he, he didn't speak with a forked tongue, did he? I mean, he spoke very plainly about it. And it still shocked them when it happened. And uh, it's no good pointing the finger at them because we've got three fingers pointing at ourselves. We, we have to say, Lord, uh, you know, if you're saying things to us, which we might come on to in more conversation, I don't know, you, you're leading it. Uh, help us not to, not to have to be told so many times before we get it. And then... The, the ultimate reality, whether it's the Palm Sunday or the, the events of the week, <clears throat> is the dramatic fulfillment of prophecy. Mm. I mean, mountains of, of biblical prophecy culminates in this week. And, uh, and, it, and if we miss it, from a, even from a historian's point of view, and being a wise human being living two millenniums after these events, you've got to say, has anything like this ever happened before or since? And the answer is no. Mm. We have a risen saviour. Mm. The two most incredible days in cosmic history, Good Friday, Easter Sunday, yep. by a billion miles. It's interesting, the more uh, traditional churches will be coming to the end of Lent. Mm-hmm. Isn't something we particularly do in our church tradition in quite the same way, is it? But I think sometimes we miss the celebration of Easter Sunday because we haven't necessarily gone through... I think that's a valid observation. ...the reflection up to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's true. And, and we're a bit afraid of the asceticism or, 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 or the, the, that formal side of uh, flagellation, whatever mm-hmm. words we want to use. But a time to stop and, and reflect and renew, um, recalibrate is a word I've used a lot over the, over the years, yeah. is good. And it brings us to a place of humility in the week as the 40 days end. Yes. Certainly praying that our churches on Sunday will be a place of amazing celebration. Amen. Of Christ risen is risen. Jesus. Christ is risen. Christ and will come again. Christ will come again. So profound, isn't it? Amazing. The, we're going to talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit. For me, when I'm in conversations with people, sometimes there's three of us in a conversation and I like to introduce the two people that are 
in the conversation because I'm not sure if they know each other. You know, I'll be in a general conversation. And often people say to me, we know each other better than you. We know you. You know, so it's like, but I hate the thought of somebody mm -hmm. not included in the conversation. I guess that's just the way I'm wired. And so I guess I'm going to ask you to introduce us to <laughs> the person of the Holy Spirit. Some people listening will have known him for decades. Other people are sort of just joining the conversation now. And so I'd love you to sort of introduce us to the person of the Holy Spirit. Well, he's God. Uh, I think part of the answer to an understanding of is in your question. He is a person. He's not an influence or, or just a spirit thing. He's a person. He has a personality and he has a commission. He understands what his part is in what we call the Trinity. Mm. And the Christian religion is the only religion in the world that believes in one God, but three unique personalities working in complete equilibrium and, and equality. And his major purpose is to be, as Jesus talked about, be a comforter, the paraclete, the one called alongside. Mm. So he, he literally is. He is the third person in our conversation. Mm -hmm. And uh, unseen but but always present and uh, it's the degree to which we recognize his personhood and his role as a comforter and one drawn alongside whose chief aim is to reveal Jesus to us mm. and let's if we talk get, about if we that get about, that, let's yeah. just talk about that for a moment because that's key isn't it he reveals Jesus to us he does he will show you the things of mine and make them known to you Yes. And why do you think these days we will talk more about the power of the Holy Spirit or the work of the Spirit, but not the person of the Spirit? Why do you think we've sort of neglected that language more recently? It's a good question, John. I, I, I'm not sure whether, whether it is to do with the, the age in which we live, which is very much power conscious mm. position conscious all of those sorts of things influences in the in the sense of control and mm. uh, you know I, I've got an ability to manipulate things or whatever I'm not sure whether whether we've fallen for something there and clearly the Holy Spirit he's 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 the breath that was in creation he's the he's the spirit that moves that creates everything and he's the spirit who when I was a 10 year old boy made me completely aware and people say to me as an, an older adult now you couldn't have known that at, at 10 but it made me completely aware that I was a sinner yes that's the work of the person of the Holy Spirit it's not to do with his power but he's got the power to do whatever he chooses to do and and, and then the power to open our hearts up to the revelation of, of Christ's love for us it, it you know, I so we mustn't lose the power side, but we need the person before we need the power. Yes. Or as we need the power. Yes. Yes. And reflecting on the risen Jesus, you've written about this in one of your books, but where uh, he breathed on his followers and mm -hmm. said, receive the Holy Spirit. And I think 
I think for me, that's quite a powerful image because I think I've seen you do this in sermons. You've drawn close to somebody and breathe, you know, for Jesus to breathe on the, his followers, he must have lent into them and he must have yeah. come close to them. Yeah. And there does seem this inextricable link to me between the person of Jesus and receiving the Holy Spirit. You know, that his closeness of the Spirit, Jesus being close. How do we... How do we ensure we don't divorce these two things, that we love Jesus and hunger and thirst for his spirit? Yeah, I mean, I'd go one step further than that even, John. I'd say if we lose the context of the Father, yeah. the, the one whose big idea this is, the one, they're all, they're all one. It's a massive conversation. And we can easily trip ourselves up with our words because our words limit the context of who they are. He's the one, for God the Father, so loved the world. We, we must understand this all-embracing. He created it. He created us. We live in a world that's, that's got such a, an image, a damaged in, image consciousness, such an identity crisis in the world in which we live because people have lost sight of the fact they're created in the image of God and that we will be utterly fulfilled when we become the person God created us to be instead of trying to be somebody else. It's hard work trying to be somebody else and there's millions of people trying to be somebody else and God created them to be them. And then Jesus comes as the one sent by the Father to unravel the work of sin and to redeem us, ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven. All, all these words are massively important. And the Spirit is there in creation, breathe the Word and the Spirit, Jesus is the Word, and the Spirit at the Father's behest that brings everything into being and brings us new birth. And, and if the Word and the Spirit, Jesus and the Holy Spirit, are in our rebirth, well, we need both of them closely working together with the love of the Father wrapped all around it to give us a sense of security and purpose and wholeness in our lives that nothing else in this world will give us. Mm. Yes. The creator, the one who made us, the one whose plan this is. I guess the great architect, the author, however, whatever language you want to think around the father. And then mm -hmm. you've got the son as the, the friend, the redeemer, mm -hmm. the savior. Mm -hmm. And then he leans in and he breathes, receive the Holy Spirit. Yes, I, I, just as an illustration, we were, Dorothy and I were out of town a few weeks ago preaching in the north of England and, and a lovely young man <clears throat> came to me, very earnest, like some of the, I'm not suggesting I'm like Jesus, but I, I want to be like him, but you know, people came who were very earnest to Jesus and asked questions. Yeah. He, he was very earnest and he, he clearly loved the Lord and I talked to them the senior pastor there afterwards, he said, you know, he's a lovely young man. I think he was trained to be a doctor, an articulate, educated young man, came from another part of the country. And, but he said, this Holy Spirit thing, he said, I, I don't, I, I can't get my head around it properly. He said, I, I, I want to speak in tongues and uh, I want to know the Spirit's in me. So I said, well, the Spirit is in you. The, the promise is, I read it this morning in Luke, John, when Jesus said to them about asking and seeking and knocking, and yeah. and, and he seems to change the story right round just at the end. It doesn't yeah. seem to be 
the context of what he's talking about at all. He said, if you ask for the Holy Spirit, he will give them to you. So Jesus is there speaking the words to breathe the Spirit into all of us. He wants to lean into all of us. So this young guy, I said, the Spirit, the Spirit of God is all over you. He's you could of, see it. I could see on it. Him and on him and in him. Yeah. The words in him are all signs, a humble, yeah. wonderful attitude, honoring and just beautiful. So he said, I'm struggling. So I said, talk to me about it. What was happening? What was happening? He said, uh, well, he said, I, I, I feel things well up in me and I, I don't know what to do. He said, you know, if I start saying some words, I want, I, I want, I want to understand them. He said, you're not supposed to understand them. He said, I've been speaking in tongues for nearly 60 years, more than 60 years actually now. And uh, I don't understand what I'm saying. I'm not supposed to. It's another language to worship God with. It's another language with which to pray. It's another uh, language that brings the life of the Father, the Son and the Spirit into congruence within us. And it releases something in us we're not supposed to understand. If he wants us to understand, he can give us a revelation, an interpretation of what we're saying. I said, you just need to go home and be still and let that awareness of him breathing on you. I didn't use that word, but that's what I probably should have used. He's breathing in you and on you. And then disengage this and just let the worship of God come out of your mouth in a new language and... Uh, begin to enjoy a contemporary relevant presence of the spirit, which I think is where you're aiming to go with this. It's not just that he breathed on us, it's, it's, it's the indwelling mm. continuance of the presence of God. I had yes. an email from him this last week. Yeah. He went and did what I told him to do, and he's been bathed with the presence of the spirit ever since. Amazing. Absolutely touched by God and just, just overflowing with the life of the Spirit flowing in and out of him. I was just so, so encouraged. And you've, you've helped me here. We'll get, we'll get on to the ongoing in a moment, but let's just talk about helping people like that, who, who are many, uh, mm -hmm. thoughtful, certainly love God. But maybe, maybe we try, and I put myself, try and understand it too much at yep. some times yep. uh, of, of how that might work. And so you've got this, in this instance, this young guy. I heard a quote recently that I think was a Sandy Miller quote that uh, intensity isn't one of the fruit, isn't the fruit of the spirit. That, that's, Definitely not. And, and so passion, passion is a very different thing, but not intensity. Yes. Uh, and so I, I think part of the key to receiving the spirit, maybe for the first time, or the fullness of the spirit for the yep. first time, is, is this relaxing into I, I agree with that completely yeah. I mean I grew up in a Pentecostal world where there was a lot of pressure put on people and and there was there was intensity you know you they would teach about it and come around and lay hands on people come on speaking tongues and and it became pressurized yeah. and I'm going the life of this person the breath of God there's no there's no intensity in him ever there's passion, there's power, yeah. there's dynamis, yeah. absolutely, bucketfuls, but not intensity. And I've watched people. In fact, I was in a lot of years ago, and if I named these people, you'd know one of them's now died. Uh, they'd not long come to, to the Lord, and they invited me to go to their house. And so I went and sat and told them a bit, we had a cup of tea and whatever. 
and then talk about the Spirit. Just talk from a biblical point of view that this is part of the gift of God to us. And I said, so, so the Bible says if we ask, we will receive. And I think that's where the intensity needs to go. Mm. That if we genuinely ask, we then need to believe that we've received. Mm. There may be no evidence of it whatsoever. We need to encourage people then to believe they've received and to worship the Lord and be, be responsive, yes. but not driven, yes. not not all screwed up. So I said, we'll pray. He said, we're to lay hands on the sick and they will see us. It's like Jesus would breathe on them. We, we lay hands on people. And the, the man, he just started speaking tongues straight away. And he was... He was he was just what, enjoying surprised the himself. Lord. Surprised himself. Oh, he just it just all just it just as easy as anything. And, and his wife was quite miffed. Would be a polite word. She was quite miffed. So I said to her, "Look, we started off by saying if we if we've asked, we're going to believe we've received. So don't keep asking. Believe you've received, and just let the worship of the Lord, let the life of the Spirit within you, let it outflow." as it comes and we have to help people because some people think that God's turning us into a ventriloquist mm -hmm. and you know he's going to move our mouth and make us speak mm -hmm. he said when they were filled with the spirit they began to speak mm -hmm. as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability so I said you, you've got to make make the words you're not to understand them but let the let the words form and begin to speak. Now, I'm never going to say say these words after me. I don't believe in that stuff. That's just the Holy Spirit doesn't need that. So I said, just believe you've received and, and, and follow relax the promptings it. of God within. And just when the light of the Spirit well up. She did. She did. She got she got her night clothes on, was cleaning her teeth, and she started speaking in tongues. You've gone home by then, I guess. Yes. <laughs> Thankfully, I'd left them to it. Yeah. <laughs> She'd relaxed. And, just and the outflow, yeah. the inflow had happened and the outflow came. Okay, that's a great phrase. The inflow had happened. And the, the outflow, outflow came. came. Yeah, wonderful. That's very helpful. That's very helpful. Because there will be people in our churches that have heard people speaking in tongues for many years, but given up on it because it's never happened for them. And some, some of them are the, are the most intellectually thoughtful. Pe people who... Uh, they're good with their brain. Mm. They they sometimes find it difficult to relax the understanding part and just receive the breath of God yes. that fills their human tent. Our bodies are the temples, yeah. the house of the Holy Spirit. He wants he wants to live in us. Yes. He wants to be this third person in a conversation. Yes. And let's talk for a moment. Our Anglican brothers, Vineyard brothers that we love and honour, would have a slightly different view, that the fullness of the Spirit the, would come at salvation and it's sort of, uh, many of it was sort of, it's released later, slightly different from our church tradition in the sense of, mm -hmm. for us, it's a, of, uh, it's a subsequent event. Mm -hmm. Talk to us a bit about that. You've been, you've been listened, I don't know how many sermons you've preached and listened to on, on the subsequent filling, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Just talk to me why, why you're as passionate about that as ever. Well, I, I, I think it, I think it blurs it blurs an issue to say that the fullness of everything was given to us at conversion because it's patently evident in the New Testament that that was not the case. Mm. And so, if we build any practice 
or, or theological argument on something that lacks a premise in the scriptures, I'm always going to be nervous because I'm a word and spirit person. Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not just going to be a Pentecostal and be carried away with the work of the spirit. I, I, I'm a Bible man. Uh, and it's the word and the spirit that brings the dynamic of, of everything, creation, recreation, and everything that's mm. meaningful. So why would, why would Luke, in writing Acts, say so definitively to, to them when Paul goes, and he said, Have you, did you receive the Spirit when you believed? And they said, we've not even so much as heard of it. And he prayed with them, and they were filled. Yeah. And the word, the word used is, is baptizo. Yeah. And literally it means to be immersed. That, you know, the life of the Spirit, we are immersed into the life of the Spirit. So I've seen a dynamic reality when people come to and I think water baptism is an intrinsic part of it, because I don't, I don't think many traditions, and, and some of those friends that you've just mentioned, uh, would be some of those, don't make a, a, enough of a significance of a believer's baptism, because you can't repent and be baptized when you're a baby. You can't repent, you have no, no ability. So the act of repentance that brings a yieldedness to the Lordship of Jesus, all of this stuff's very germane and important. It, it brings us to the preparation, and then we should be filled with the Spirit, as as Jesus Himself was when He was. He didn't need to be baptized or filled with the Spirit, but it was all for our benefit when He came out of the water. This is my beloved Son, and, and the Spirit He was filled without measure. So I, I think there's a, a uniqueness in that experience which just catapults people into discipleship and and a readiness to serve Jesus. Mm. Yeah, amen. I agree, and I think I think surely as churches, it's part of our role to help people. Absolutely, at each stage in that journey, isn't it? Yes. Uh, and then the challenge later, as people know the Lord, and as with many things in life, familiarity can breed whatever. We we just have to be as provocateur to each other, don't we? Mm. And you and I have sat in meetings with, with leaders, and we said, "Come on, guys." We need to amp up here. We need we need to get alert. We're, we're getting careless about the life of the spirit in us, mm. and the same thing in terms of spiritual warfare. That yes. we're talking to one or two people about it. We we just have to stir ourselves up sometimes on the journey to stay alert and alive to the dynamic of the spirit in our lives. And I think I think it comes back, doesn't it, when you read the scriptures, is what often brings you back to the reality of how things should be. Uh, so you, you you talk about those Acts scriptures of being filled with the Spirit. It's difficult, I think, to read them and not say afresh, "I want to be filled now." Absolutely, it's difficult not to. I, I, I mean, that's a blessed circle, isn't it? The life of the Spirit is going to bring us back. To, to Jesus and yeah. the scriptures yeah. and the scriptures are going to reveal Jesus by the spirit and yes. it, one thing is as unprovocative to the other yes and you know you know you're getting away from things and the center of a of a life that's engaged with the work of the spirit on a on a persistent basis you know if you begin to become slack about your praying about reading the scriptures about your day by day connectedness to listening to the voice of God. You know, if in any one of these three or four compass points, if, if they're slipping, 
you're drifting. Mm. Yeah, very helpful. Uh, while we're talking, you've given one story there of somebody you prayed for and was filled with the Spirit. I don't know if any others come to mind while we're talking. You jump back to it if you do, because you'll have seen young and old. You'll have seen people that have been brought up in church and later been Absolutely. filled. And uh, I don't know if any just spring to mind while we're talking. Then I, one springs to mind, which isn't my story, it's my father's story. It, in the church in Hockley, which was a, a very unique, independent, free Pentecostal church. Here in Nottingham? No, no, not Hockley in Birmingham. Oh, in Birmingham, yes. Birmingham, yes, yeah. led by two ladies, two very unique ladies. And, uh, and my father was preaching there when he was a young leader once, and a, a couple of things, one thing happened when he was there, and, and then a friend of his told him the other story. So even though these ladies led this meeting, if they had a man leader there they would all ask the man to do communion on a sunday morning service so my father was there to preach but they asked him to do the, the actual communion and break the bread and 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 one of them played played the the, the piano and he, he said i was leading the people in this communion i had my eyes closed and i said i was conscious of the it was like the presence of god was like a tidal wave it was coming up and and then it was going down and coming up and going down he said and I thought I must open my eyes and as this lady played the piano and at a certain point the other lady she was lifted off the floor amazing and when she was in the air the sense the presence was stronger and then she just subsided down onto her feet and then she went oh. amazing things like that used to happen in that meeting anyway a man went there who's a, a a very polite proper Englishman who come to faith in Jesus I don't know whether he'd been a Christian a long time or what but anyway and he was very concerned about he wanted to be filled with the spirit and uh, but he would have liked it to have been in a proper way and and the spirit does what he chooses to do so he wanted it sort of decent he, decent 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 and in order and yeah. sometimes it it can get a bit different because the spirit's allowed to do what he wants it's usually very relaxed and and decorum is not wrong anyway he went there to this Hockley meeting and, and these ladies prayed for him. People used to come, Catholic priests from America would come there and all sorts of people would come there all the time. And in meetings or out of meetings, they prayed and they saw hundreds and hundreds, probably thousands of people filled with the Spirit in the early part of the 20th century. And, and this, <laughs> this man, they prayed for him. And when he came to, he found himself in the dust underneath the grand piano. <laughs> but he, he was gloriously filled with the Spirit. And he went on to be, I think, a missionary. The, the Spirit of God just bowled he, him over. He just bowled him over. Bowled him over. I've got a cousin who went to a, a Catholic, many years ago now, went to a, a Catholic renewal service. Uh, she's special needs and uh, wouldn't have worked herself up or made no. anything. She wouldn't have done that. And just prayed for and the Spirit of God just bowled her over. Yeah. As as he filled her and ministered to her and mm. amazing yeah truly amazing we don't want people to be helping people to experience things like that john do we <laughs> we've never never you know we had a contract at t street with people yeah if you come forward for prayer here nobody's going to try and push you over yes yes no no physical pushing just we don't, it, the spirit of god it, it's it's a it's a disgrace to the spirit to do that yes. stuff we, yes and some of the evangelists would say we're just we're just trying to help people relax and receive faith it's not not helpful let the spirit do what he needs to do 
and the Spirit of God loves us and, and He's going to only do what's going to help us be better people and closer followers of Jesus. I think there's something that's very close to my heart and yours equally when we're talking about the work, well, the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, is it for it to be authentic? Absolutely. If it's not that, I feel we're dishonouring. I don't want to know. Yeah. It, it, I, it, I mean, anything that's a fraud is yes. dishonouring of the real thing. Yes. Yes. We don't, we don't need anything that's fraudulent. And I feel the same about the context of worship. If, if, if our worship is genuine in our, in our public meetings or in our private lives, if it's meaningful, something supernatural happens. We don't have to try and make things happen. Yeah. Yeah. And people do know the difference. Even people who don't know God know the difference. They come into a spirit-filled atmosphere and they say, what is it about this? We don't understand. It's, it's, it's different. People used to say in T Street, a lot come to weddings or funerals. People have no faith at all. Well, I feel safe here. Yes. What a wonderful feeling. Yes. Yes. Let's just talk about that a moment. There might be some leaders listening into this, used to running meetings. Where's that line? Not an easy question, I accept. But that line between encouraging ourselves, encouraging our people, stirring ourselves versus intensity hype manipulation yeah. where's where uh, how how do you define that line for for yourself or people that you've encountered? well uh, the, <clears throat> i would i in my own history i would have looking trying to think back yeah you, know, you have a you think you've an, an even-handed view of it but you've got to be honest with yourself um if i if i felt in particularly public meetings that we weren't getting anywhere. We, we were just playing a game. Yeah. People, people hadn't really showed up. Yes. Yeah. Going through the motions. It was just going through the motions. Good phrase. Um, I mean, on occasions I said, come on. I'd, I'd stand up and say, come on. What, what are we doing? Yeah. If, if we can't, if God is worthy of our praise. Now, a lot of us aren't even concentrating. We're, we're not, we haven't really arrived yet. Like on a Sunday when the clock goes back or forward. It, they're great Sundays for, for people to not be engaged. <laughs> Mine were half asleep a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, that's yeah, it. Just that's even it. over coffee, you could tell this no, is going to... Yeah. Yeah, and you, the Bible does talk about stir, stirring ourselves. Stir ourselves. So I would say, come on. And generally the people would get, you know, this is right. You're not being rude. You're not being ugly. You, it, you, you're being an agent provocateur. You're being an appropriate encourager of the life of the spirit that's in the people and then you begin to worship again and, and it's just a, it's just completely different and i did say to them on a few occasions if we don't do better than this i'm going to close the meeting <laughs> i'm going to send you all outside and you can come back in again and we'll start again <laughs> so that's on the negative side the other side is is to be completely open and transparent with with the congregation as a leader and the life of the spirit is flowing and you just want it to be more. So the prophetic side is is to to encourage the life of the spirit. And, and <clears throat> a phrase that I learned a long, long time ago. Liberty, the sense of, of divine liberty, does not provide license. Mm. So just because we want to have an open meeting where the priesthood of all believers can 
contribute and take part. Now, some leaders get very freaked out by that because they feel they're losing control. And, and in one sense, it's true because they're not in control anyway. Um, but we are told to run things decently and in order, and I get all of that. But it doesn't give people freedom to behave in inappropriate. But, but you, you enable, do we enable, what word do we use? You, you encourage, you provoke one another yeah. to love and good works. You, you, you say to people, is God saying something to you? Well, respond and, and speak it out. And sometimes it, it, it's better if you can break the meeting up a little bit, put people in smaller groups, which in the early days of my experience would never have happened because people were terrified of things like that. You can't do that in public meetings. But no, if you've got hundreds of people there and, and you have a hundred groups of four or five, but then several hundred people can let the life of the Spirit flow out of them mm. in a meaningful way, which is very relevant to those people around them. And sometimes it's for the whole. Uh, guy, Boeing, when we were raising offerings for, for the building that we never got to build in the end, and that's a story in itself. Uh, he said, I knew. I knew that Sunday morning, it was the third Sunday of, of three Sundays of offerings. He said, I knew that Sunday morning would be a million pounds on that communion table because we invited people to come forward and or, or we'd just take it in the offering time. Declare their offerings. It, and just put their offerings on the table yeah. and, and have prayer from, from elders if they wanted as families. And numerous families would come forward with their children. And people would talk about it years later the promise of God, they were sacrificial and whatever. He said, I knew, and this was an important part of our journey to, to seek to raise some funds for toward a building. He said, and then the presence of God came in the meeting in a unique way. And he said, just please move, move that communion table out of the way, whoever needs prayer, whoever wants something more, the blessing of God come forward. He said, I knew, I, I knew in that moment, this, this is for real. This, this isn't about getting money. This is about getting people blessed. Yes, yes. Long answer to a short question, but you said it was a difficult question. It's a difficult, <laughs> but it, but it's being, it's being attentive to what God it is is doing in the moment. It is, and sometimes we'll get it wrong. Yes, authentically wrong, and then we're, we're no, genuinely yeah. trying to do the right yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah, But just sometimes we we'll get it right. We'll get it right, and then the spirit flows, and it's worth the risk. Would be my, and that's true. And people with a great brain like you. Uh, and a strong leadership gift are not going to come to that decision easily. It's a work of the Spirit to come to that decision, yeah. to abandon ourselves to the work of the Spirit, to do things a bit tangentially, unusually to say unique things. I said to some leaders only the other day, I remember once in the Albert Hall, the Lord said to me, you've got to say something about bananas. You've heard me say that before. And there's hundreds of people there in the Albert Hall, and I'm, I get up and say something about bananas. I mean, it's nuts, isn't it? Absolutely nuts. Anyway, the, the, the story unfolded, and somebody got prayed for. I got an email 20-odd years later that told the story of what happened after that banana experience of a lady who became sick, who the promise of God was that she'd walk all the days of her life. And she became sick, went to a meeting in Earl's Court, because we wanted to go to uh, Jerusalem and Israel for, for a holiday because they, they weren't sure about her health, but they were trusting God. When she was instantly healed, stepped out of a wheelchair, 
And she said, and, and I've, I've never used a wheelchair again. And all the way back to a banana. <laughs> just guarded. Just in that moment. Just triggered faith. Clyde, Clyde Sandry would say he came once in that Albert Hall, uh, just, just visiting for, and, and he was in a crossroads in, in, in his life and whatever. And I knew Clyde from some years before, didn't know him well. And he was behind a pillar and the Lord spoke to me about him being behind a pillar. Boom, whatever. And it, being responsive to what God is it, stirring within. I mean, you've heard me tell a story. I, before I left England to go overseas once, Australia actually, and uh, one of the early, first time I think I ever went, early 80s, and uh, the Lord told me that in one of the churches I was going to meet the biggest man in the room and that I had a word from God for him. And that's all he told me. So we were in Sydney and Brisbane, and then we were in Melbourne and Adelaide preaching all the biggest Pentecostal churches in the country. It was a wonderful honor, John Shelburne and I. And, and we went to look, I met, I met the pastor, I'd met him before in England. Um, so it was nice to reconnect with him. And uh, he said, we'll, we'll go and look, look at the church. And they, they, they had a Sunshine Revival there in the, in the 1920s where a lot of people came to know Jesus, a lot of people in Melbourne and a lot of people were filled with the Spirit and they planted a lot of churches out from there. It was a, and we need another one of those revivals, John. We, we need do. another one. We do. Whether we call it a revival or not, we yeah. need the work of the Spirit yeah. to explode again all over Europe. Yeah. And and the Lord said to me, it's in this church. So it was just two services packed, about five or six hundred people in each service. And you're looking around, I guess. Of course I'm looking around. I've got to find <laughs> the biggest man, haven't I? You've got to be obedient. You've, yeah. got, you've got to go with it. Yeah. And the second service, after it started, he came in, huge, tall guy. Stood taller than me. you? Oh, yeah, much taller than me. Stood at the back. I thought, what do I do now, Lord? Well, you've got to listen, haven't you? It's all you're saying. Yeah. Be attentive, be responsive. Yeah. And I felt the Lord say to me something really severe, really severe. I thought, now, you see, this is where some people then, I think, make a mistake. Because they want a drama then. And we're not looking for a drama or a show or some intensity or a big yeah. show. Make themselves look good. We don't need any of that. Yeah. We're we're glorifying God. Said, Lord, what? And I felt the Spirit say to me, just walk down in the worship and go and speak to him at the back of the room. Which I did. And I, I looked at him and said, You're a big man. I said, God showed me you six weeks ago in England before I left to come here. I said, He must love you a lot. I said, I've got something very severe to say to you. And I told him what this word was yeah. about him deserting his wife and God was not pleased and he needed to deal with it, blah, 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 and there would be consequences. Um, and you'd have been wrestling, wouldn't you? Oh, hey, tough, man. It's not nice. You're, you're not looking forward to this. No, no, I, I don't want to be saying stuff like that to people. Yeah. But sometimes yeah. you have to, don't you? Yeah. And I had another email. 30 years later, actually about two or three years ago. And this man's wife, he divorced his wife, he went with another woman. He appeared to be unbelievably prosperous and lived in a massive house in the most expensive part of Melbourne, had a big business, all the fancy stuff. And she said, what you promised would happen has just happened. He was convicted of fraud. Things started to go wrong in 2015, I think it's 2020. He said he's been convicted of fraud and gone to prison for a lot of years and he's lost absolutely everything. Now, am I pleased about that? 
at one level, I'm thankful that the word came through. But another level, you go, oh, you idiot. Yeah. Why didn't you hear the voice of God? Respond to God. Respond to God. So it's serious stuff. Yes. But it's also dynamically wonderful stuff. Yes. Because usually it's words of encouragement. They inspire people that, that go on and do great things for God. Yes. Well, because that guy had a chance of redemption. Absolutely. He had a chance of another fresh start. So he had a chance of restoration. Yes. Yeah. We talk, sometimes we talk about the Holy Spirit being in us. Sometimes we talk about him being on us. Sometimes we talk about him working through us. Mm -hmm. You got any preference? What, what, what language do you prefer or how do you think of it or yeah, does it's it good. matter? It's a good question because language is important <clears throat> to us, John, isn't it? Now, the Bible, if we're going to be theologically accurate, intrinsically we are the temples of the Holy Spirit, so he comes to live in us. He, he shall be with you and he shall be in you, mm. Jesus said, didn't he? Mm. So it's it's the companion within. Mm. The, and I think we have to encourage and be alert because I think, I think a lot of people get carried away with, oh, we need the manifest presence of God. Or, and we use all sorts of language and movements get going on all these sort of language. And I, and I think that the important bit is if we're aware and we're alert, God is alert. He's not not alert. He, yes. he is. He becomes more manifestly present when we're more yes. manifestly present yes. because he's he's in us. He is everywhere, yes. and he comes to live in us. I pray every morning. Look, you're in me, and you're with me, and you're for me. And and I'm staggered by the whole idea. And just to breathe in the presence of God in the early morning. So he's in us. He works through us in using the gifts. We're presence carriers. We're presence carriers. We're presence carriers then, aren't we? Yeah. So he works he works through us. So he's in us and through us. And the on us part, I think, is legitimate in the context of of an anointing. You find yourself in in a in a unique situation. It might even be just somewhere in a shop. We're not talking about a Shakarabundi type of Holy Ghost meeting. Yeah, not just a full-on church we're meeting. Talk, we're talking about twenty-four-seven. You've got to be open to God, and the Spirit comes on you. You 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 have a moment of of intensified understanding. You go, whoa. I was just buying a few things in the shop here. The spirit is on me. He's in me prompting me, but he, he's not, it's an anointing to function in that moment. Yes. A grace, a faith, yes. just to do what you need to do. Yes. Either pray for somebody, say something to somebody. Yes. Encourage so, somebody. Absolutely. It's out. mostly going to be comfort and encouragement, yeah. but now and again, it can move. As you gain experience, it can move into other things. Yes. So he's but in let's us. not start there. You can't start there. Yeah. If he's not in you, yeah. he's not going to be working through you. Yes. Yes. And you won't, in a sense, we have an anointing. And you, you watch it. I've watched in you uh, since the leadership of our, our network was handed to you. The anointing on you, not just in you or through you, mm -hmm. the anointing on you. Mm -hmm has intensified. 
because it's, it's another leadership role and a different anointing has to come on us. Mm. And I made a comment to you a few weeks ago of how it expressed itself. And, and I, want to, I want to encourage that. We need to encourage it in, in, in each other. Yes. It, it'll come on people in the workplace. Yes. Yes. I was a young guy and our managing, no, the managing director of our subdivision, working at Plessy in, in Beeson, where there was thousands of people working at that time. And the divisional manager said, I want, I want these figures about this, this, and something else. We had nowhere coming up with these figures. I, I was in the, the uh, department that analyzed the cost of products that were being prepared to be made. And my boss came out and said, we need these figures. The boss, the boss needs them now. I, I, well, we haven't got a way of doing them, haven't we? And I can remember, it, it came to me, there was two of us that worked on this stuff, and one was an older man, but he was good at balancing his pencil, he was. <laughs> so, but he, he didn't have a lot of initiative. Uh, he was a lovely guy. Uh, so I, I got this gig. You've got to come up with these numbers. And I sat there for a few minutes, and I just said to, to God, without really praying aloud, we didn't pray aloud, and, well, we, I need your help now, Lord. You were at the end of yourself. Ah, I couldn't do anything. Yeah. There was no way I was going to come up with those numbers. Yeah. We didn't have any mechanisms. Yeah. We, had, we had different paperwork that uh, we, could have, we could have worked our way through something, yeah. but it had been tomorrow or the day after, yeah. and he wanted numbers now. And, uh, <sighs> Lord, you've got to help me. And then you, 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 you're attentive. You've got to be attentive. And the Lord might say something very simple to you. Just to put a brackets on the story. I was talking to a Christian leader uh, a week or two ago and he, he got some burdens going on uh, around him. And, uh, and I'd been praying about them subsequently and saying, Lord, what, what, how, how can I speak into this? What, what have you got to say? And one or two germs of an idea come to you and you just log them and log them. And Dorothy had done some washing here just at the weekend washed the duvet and the pillow cases and I'm I'm bigger and stronger so I can get the pull the sheet over better and stuff the duvet and whatever. I can do it quicker than that. You've been trained well. Yeah. And and I prefer to do that for her because that's the easy, easier job for me. I was literally down there about seven o'clock Saturday evening and uh, all this stuff floods back into me that I'd been thinking about over two or three weeks. And uh, I said hmm. and I felt then that deep impression within, coming upon, wanting to work through, coming on you. And I came in today, I said, I've got a phone, this guy, right away and find out. I sent him a text, can you take a phone call? Because I knew in that moment, I needed to tell him what these things were, because they, they'd come clear in my mind. Yes. And in my spirit, four things, boom, 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 boom. And they may be right, they may be wrong. Like you said about 20 minutes ago, you said you sometimes get it wrong. But if you don't exercise your faith, you'll never get it right. And you've got to be prepared. You were in, And I don't know yet whether that is an appropriate word. But you were responsive. And, and obedient. It's an issue of response and obedience. So back to my story in the workplace, I, I sat there and I felt the Lord just say to me, I needed to start drawing some circles and uh, and and it all it just all came from nowhere well it didn't come from nowhere it came from god and and i had a mechanism for working out the amount the amount of components that we had in in these things that we could give these 
numbers to the divisional manager and it was done in a little space of time. Yeah, very helpful. And I guess it leads me on to the thought, there'll be people listening to this, family's full on, kids are sick, work is Nappies are full. Nappies are full. Food's going cold. It's just all happening. And the roof's leaking. Yeah, because uh, everybody has those seasons. Absolutely. Life. Everybody has those seasons in life, and to pretend otherwise, spirit-filled or not. But how do we, this, this injunction, this command, be being filled with the spirit? Now, uh, you know, even using the word command, yeah. whenever God commands us to do something, it's for his glory and to benefit us. That, that's it, the reality. Is, and he's providing an enabling. Exactly. So it, it's always for our good. So we, we don't need to worry about that. But but this be being filled. What what would you say to the person, not so much the church leader now, but the person no. that, that, that you in the workplace, how, how do we encourage people to be being filled on a real practical way? So I, I'm going to take that question and to sort of turn it round on, on myself and say, when I read in the Bible, pray without ceasing, how, how the heck can I do that? The roof's just leaking, the babies are crying, the bottle needs warming up, et al. Yeah. The wife's had three small children all day and she wants me to join in yeah. uh, and, and I've had a tough day. So, and I'm supposed to be praying without ceasing, I'm, how am I doing this? And I'm supposed to be open to, it's, it's learning that this companion is with us in all circumstances. If we learn to cultivate the presence of the Spirit within us, and that's a moment by moment, day by day thing. So it's to do, not when the crisis is on, in, in the ordinariness of life, in, in the everyday, getting up every morning, making a connection with God, reading the scriptures, Opening your heart in prayer when you've got, not got the time, you make the time, you don't like that word, but you're disciplined is, is the answer. You're disciplined in, in the way your life, you you don't allow your mind to be filled. It bothers me that many Christians watch all sorts of stuff, which I, the sort of mind I've got, if I watch that stuff, my mind's going to be full of it. Yeah. And that's not going to help me because the mind has to work with the inner workings of the spirit. And so all, all these are... A, cognitive parts of, of a disciplined, ordered, obedient life. And if you live there, it, in the moment of the crisis, he's still with you. He's, the life of the Spirit's still flowing in you. And even in those crisis moments, the peace of God will overflow you. And surprisingly, some of those circumstances calm down and are less severe than they would be because because the anointing of the Spirit flows in us. It doesn't happen all the time, but it happens often. Because shalom, nothing broken, nothing missing, comes over the situation, comes over you, breeds tranquility around you. Children feel atmospheres. If you and the lady are falling out, the children have got a good chance of getting... So let's not allow that sort of... We're a God-inspired, a God-filled peace atmosphere even with all that energy of, of, a, of a young family and all that's going on will have a massive impact on these crisis moments and they will not be so, as severe hmm. we build something into our lifestyles our practices yes 
that makes us, it's not that he's not there, he's always there, yeah. but makes us aware of his presence. And we're dependent on it. And we're dependent. We live independent on it. On it. We, we're not trying to do this on our own. Yes. In the workplace, in the marriage, in anything, I'm not trying to do it in my own strength. I'm living in that constant indwellingness of the life of the Spirit who's empowering me. He said, what did Jesus say? The read back to the resurrection conversation. The same Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, that raised Jesus from the dead, which you spoke about a, a few weeks ago. There's no closed doors for Jesus. No. They were bothered about the stone. He'd already come out without stone moving. He went into a room without the door opening. He, no, no, no problems here. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you and will quicken your mortal bodies. The divine life of the Spirit, day on, day off, day in, day out. Which is an exciting way to live. It surely is. It brings us closer to the purpose of God that we'll, it will enable us to become more like Jesus and we'll be able to act more like him in our day-to-day -day lives. And I'm a million miles from from a finished product there. I've been on this for 70 years in September. I've, I've been a Christian and, and I, I feel very much a beginner. But my aspirations are still as an older man to be more possessed by the Spirit, possessed in the right sense of the Spirit, to, to enable the life of Jesus to be revealed in and through me to the blessing of everybody I meet. And people might want to rewind 30 seconds there because there can sometimes be an expectation, I think primarily on ourselves, if I'm honest, that it's perfection I'm aiming at here. Whereas we're, it's the wrong question, isn't it? It is it's the, wrong, the wrong, question. wrong question. It's not that we're not wanting to be transformed and sin matters. We're not denying any of that stuff, but we're just trying to say God's looking for a heart that's that's attentive to his spirit, that's open to his spirit. That's, am I right with that? Yes, so, that he's still frail and will still make mistakes. But I'm not going to beat myself up. I'm going to be quick to repent. Yes. I'm going to get myself straight fast and uh, and continue to seek to be like Jesus. And know that until we get to a place where we're in a new heaven and a new earth, uh, the battle against the old nature will not be completely done. Although he gives us the ability to not enter into temptation. Yes. Yes. Amen. The... Uh sort of drawn to a close so we've talked about general but talk to just church leaders for a moment in that sense of the necessity to be being filled with the spirit because it's i know it's obvious but he doesn't say it for no reason you know uh well he, he doesn't does he yeah it's because the implication is therefore me and you we could choose not to be it's that's the reality. <clears throat> well, we can choose not to be. Yeah. And the fact is, if we aren't being being filled, we are already choosing to be not filled. Yes, we won't. Because be. we will leak. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, it bothers me if, you know, if I hear Pentecostals like I did once, hear a Pentecostal pastor say, he said, they're speaking in tongues, but I, said, I don't get it. He said, I don't see the point of it. I told him, no, I don't know why we bother with it. I'm going, hello. Because a, a life in the spirit he has given us this language of, of, of tongues as, as, as a prayer language, as a praise language, as an intensifier of the presence of God within us. Great and phrase there. An intensifier. Mm. He, and most of the people that I've known who I've, I would feel 
observe are, were the most spirit-filled. They're not necessarily loud. In fact, most of them are not loud. Loud's not a good idea. Um, they could be passionate, but not loud. But the, the language of, of tongues and, and the energizing of waiting on God, some other people, it's more a worshipful life. They're singing and, and praising and worshiping. Some people, it's an intensity of prayer. It's often a combination of all, all the above. These people are the people who who live in the fullness of the Spirit. They are filled and be being filled. Mm. So the tap's flowing in while it's flowing out. And we've got to make sure that we've got as much coming in as going out if we're going to stay filled. Mm. Because his desire is to fill us. Absolutely. There's no problem on his side. None. No. There's no problem on his side. Uh, David's been incredibly helpful. I knew I knew I'd just enjoy talking to you, whether the cameras are on or not. Uh, and some great phrases in there. I think it'd be really great to finish if you just pray for anybody listening, still listening with us at an hour free talking. <laughs> How long have just we been pray in this moment that they will be filled. <laughs> so you at home, open your heart at this moment. Invite the Spirit of God, and David's just going to pray for you as we close. Well, the Spirit says through the words of Jesus. He said, "Ask." and you will receive. He will give the Holy Spirit to those who are asking. So Lord, as people watching this in this still moment, they ask you to fill them with your spirit, whether for the first or the thousandth time. Fill each of us again with the life-giving spirit of Jesus, the dynamic Holy Spirit. Come and fill each one of us empower us to serve you to love you to be transformed into your likeness to be the hands and feet of jesus in a broken world and we'll thank you and give you all praise and glory amen amen thank you for listening to the ng church network podcast and conversation we are passionate about capturing authentic experiences of ordinary lives impacted by an extraordinary god to find out more about our network, please check out www.ngchurchnetwork.org.uk.